All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I'm your host, Cameron Ivey, and with me, as always, is Gabe Gums. Today, we have an awesome guest. His name is Michael Thompson. Michael, thanks for coming on the show, man. We're really excited to talk with you and get to know your story and what you do. Oh, geez. Thanks so much for having me. I was, yeah, very excited to be here. So, Mike, you and I go back a little ways. So I, I know a couple things about you, but uh, for our audience, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself? Well, um, I've been in IT and security for just a little over 20 years at this point. Um, I actually started off with little to no computer knowledge whatsoever. Um, I was fresh out of the military right after uh, or right before uh, January 1st of 2000. Um, and I had really no idea what I was going to do with the rest of my life now that I was no longer in the military. And uh, I had a friend who said, listen, you know, I... I, I, you know, I got a line on something. I can get you some some help desk type work. Uh, it doesn't pay much. In fact, it was uh, six dollars and thirty eight cents an hour, uh, which you know, coming from you know, sort of this uh, salaried position, and all my needs were met thanks to thanks to Uncle Sam. Uh, going to something where you know your dollars and cents, you know, added up to to literally a couple hundred bucks a month working full time, you know, was really difficult. But I got into uh, you know, basically working with hardware and software, providing basic user support. And I kind of had a knack for it. Um, I I didn't always like working with people. It actually took me a really long time to kind of get over that sort of military style of handling, you know, my, my customer base, uh, you know, my users. Um, but uh, I did start to really enjoy being able to solve people's problems. Uh, that led me to getting deeper into it. I eventually became a you know like a full-time technologist, uh, you know, doing desktop, laptop, you know, printer support, minor network support, which led to getting some servers, which led to getting some some switches and firewalls under my belt, becoming a full-time sysadmin for a few years. And it was when I became a sysadmin that you know things really started to click for me in terms of like an actual direction i wasn't necessarily so concerned with always standing up servers and services and you know uh you know five nine uptime um as much as i was although it ties in directly but i was i was really more interested into the security of my networks and my servers and looking up very early hardening guides uh from microsoft and other places and you know how can i make this more secure um in the early 2000s uh and mid 2000s you know we had a ton of issues with a bunch of worms worms were like all the rage uh, at that point so code red was a really big one um you know that hit hit everyone really hard um, what was it? Um, uh, I love you. There was, oh gosh, there was that one. Um, no, 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 no. I, yeah. Oh, you really, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> think we were at that segment of the show yet where we started opening up about our feelings, but, uh, you know, I'm always happy to switch gears when, where you're concerned. Yes. Melissa <laughs> and I love you, I believe hit right around the same time. I've got some battle scars, uh, from the same <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, like it created, you know, just just gobs and gobs of work. And so, the, you know, there's always like that, you know, I had I had to build a better mousetrap type of mentality where you want to make sure that your your user base, your your gear, right, uh, just continues to hum along uninterrupted. Um, and and at some point, someone said something about security. And I was like, oh, that that might be the term for what I'm really interested in. Just started doing some reading. I end, ended up getting a you know, a job as a security analyst. Um, and that's, I think that's what really ignited my passion. Almost 10 years into being a technologist and a sysadmin, it wasn't until I actually had a security role uh, that I was really excited 
you know, to actually go to work every day and to try to solve problems. Um, and so I've been doing that for the last 10 years. It's nice when you can put a, a name to, to a thing, right? Um, words have power, names have power. And to hear you say that, uh, you know, when you could finally put the, the label security on it, it kind of all clicked for you. So do me a favor, put, put, an, put a word on the last six, eight months. What, what's, what, what's the label you apply to that from, from your security lens? Oh, wow. Um, abominable, I, I suppose. Um, I think it's been really, really hard from a security's perspective. I know that every company and anyone that has any kind of voice has you know, basically said the same thing. You can't open up a web browser and go to Forbes or you know, Dark Reading or, or any other website um, where they're not talking about the security challenges that the last, you know, especially the last six months will will, will round, you know, eight months um, has really given us. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we, I kind of feel like where everyone was in, we were all in our little bubbles, right? We were in our little boxes and we, we go work in our box and then we leave the box for the day. Um, some people take their boxes with them, you know, with, with the portability of things. But it was because, I mean, that was really just like a select group of people that did that, right? So you have a percentage of your workforce that's, you know, that is, you know, traveling around, going from point A to point B, you know, taking their work with them. And now you have 100% of your workforce that is remote. Um, and so the security and privacy challenges that that has created has, it really is like an abominable situation to be in. So that's, that's basically how I'd sum it up. So that's one of the reasons why having you on, on this week's show is uh, exciting for, for me. I uh, take away from any other guests. It's, it's always exciting, but uh, we haven't had in, in, I don't know, maybe a few weeks, a security practitioner. We've had a lot of privacy folks. It's, it's a privacy relationship, but there's no, there's no privacy without security, right? Um, and so kind of wanted to go back to some of our security roots and, and have someone on who spends their days just mired in security. So, it, so do, do, do the following for me for our listeners as well. Tell me a little bit about how you spend your days you know, as a practitioner. What, what are you doing? What problems are you solving? Who are you solving them for? And, and what, what are some of the themes and the problems that you've been seeing? Well, a lot of it's, you know, what I've done for the last seven years um, at our company. Uh, and that's really, I spend a lot of time with data security, data privacy, and compliance, right, as, as our general, you know, day-to-day -day operations. And that really does come down to, you know, where do people have data? What are they doing with it? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of implications to the data that we, that we keep around and uh, how we use it, where it comes, where it goes, uh, and that's a lot of the problems that we solve. There's also, um, you know, we actually had a really big issue uh, with, a, with a client that came to us after a ransomware attack, um, which, of course, that's, you know, other than data breaches, ransomware is, is, is literally the number one thing that, that plagues organizations, I think. It's, it's the new boogeyman, if you will, where, you know, it's, it's, it's the new if it's not a matter of if, but when, you know, that you're going you're gonna to have this problem. Um, you know, and of course, you know, for me, I'm going to tie everything back to, you know, what it is I do. Uh, so ransomware is a huge data security and privacy issue, right? And to go back to what you said, I do think that security is the the technological drive behind privacy and compliance, right? So it's the technology, if you will, right? If we're going to use PPT as a model, you're going to have security as your technology, 
And privacy and compliance are sort of like your people and process that you put behind that. It's not a perfect analogy, but um, I, because I do so much security work that does dovetail into privacy and compliance, and it always comes down to there's some technological component that we're doing as a security initiative to shore up our privacy and compliance. Um, but uh, so like ransomware, again, is, is a really good example there. Um, you know, all their data is locked down, um, you know, backups, uh, you know, that they had uh, with a third party, none of them were valid. Even the most recent backup, no one had been checking that the backups had been working uh, and no one had done a restore to check the integrity of the data restored. You know, in the event of emergency, there was no sort of process in place for validating you know, their business continuity plan as far as, you know, disaster recovery went. Uh, so, you know, that was a really big issue to solve for. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, work came to a complete standstill, you know, for this manufacturing company, you know, while, while we had to deal with this. So when you're not manufacturing something, you're losing money. Um, so that was another, you know, big issue. I am both surprised and disappointed that ransomware is not that it's around still because it's never going to go anywhere but that it's having the level of impact that it still is if if only because it's certainly not a new problem in in the in the respect that uh you know this is the first time that we're hearing of, of ransomware i mean depending on how you depending on how you actually look at this problem the very first ransomware probably hit us in late 80s, right? Again, depending on how you want to actually look at this problem. 89, you had the AIDS Trojan. Um, you, you, you youngsters can go look that one up. But nonetheless, when we talk about ransomware being mainstream, you know, I'm looking at the last, call it five, seven years of, of it having really mainstream impact. And, uh, and even recently, we've, we've had a, a significant number of, of our customers impacted by ransomware that was a byproduct of a third party of theirs. So this is one of those just like incestuous things where like our customers' customers have a problem because of some random third party. So it's the same thing with the MSPs, right? So, you know, people are being had through their MSPs. Right. Um, and, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's, I don't want to say that's the nature of it, right? Because that's, I think that really makes light of how serious it is. Like, oh, that's the nature of the beast. But I think it's it's a consequence of innovation, of our innovation, if you will, right? So we've, we've sort of gone to this model where we take things outside of our four walls and we have someone else in their four walls do it. But there's always that link back home, right? And with an MSP, they've got links to multiple people's you know, homes, if you will, um, and that's why they, they're such a, you know, juicy target, um, you know, for anyone to hit. Here comes, uh, here comes some foreboding also known as tales from a salty soothsayer, AKA <laughs> right here. How long until we see the first significant cloud ransomware? Oh, wow. I, I, I hate this, man. I hope your listeners don't tune out at this point, but I'm going to say, I hope it's not too long. I am definitely one of those people that's, you know, the end is nigh and nothing would make me happier than to actually see the comet coming across the sky, you know, <laughs> heading for us. Because I, I feel like, you know, with everything that we, you know, excuse me, deal with, you know, 
you can only stand and scream from the mountaintops and stand on your soapbox and, you know, wear the sandwich board with nothing else underneath uh, for so long, um, you know, before you go hoarse and, you know, no one's really listening to you at that point anyway. Um, I asked the question, Mike, not because you, you, you touch on something that I think is very significant to the ever growing challenges of security and privacy, which is we, we tend to be, we tend to be victims of our innovation, which is to say IT drives the business more often than not. We are, I don't want to say playing catch up, but, but as security and privacy professionals, our job is to, is to enable that business to move forward as best it can, as fast as it can, as, in, in as innovative as a manner it can, while also protecting the assets, resources, the people, the things that matter most of that organization. And as we innovate more in the cloud, it's going to happen. And to your point, you're hoping it happens sooner than later. And I, I, I respect why too, right? Is let's, let's just, you know, it's going to happen. Let's just get right to it. Michael just wants to rip that bandaid off right now. Yeah, it's I just, up. yeah. I, and, you know, again, it's not from any malicious desire. Um, you know, it's sort of, you know, just like a lot of the other, you know, laws and things that we have in place, a lot of the legislation that we see, you know, coming out of, you know, like California and New York, you know, the EU, UK, uh, is that, you know, there, there have to be, there has to be some consequence, right, for, it's basically hubris, right, to think that there's no consequence for doing the things that we do as a matter of course in business. And, you know, I, I feel that sometimes the, you can only give so many slaps on the wrist before something more drastic has to happen. And unfortunately, the, the, you know, the group that's going to suffer are consumers, right? Our customers of people when these things happen. Um, you know, cyber insurance does a pretty good job of covering the business. Um, we've seen how quickly people forget in terms of uh, dips in stock price for public companies, uh, you know, when these things happen. As soon as I hear about a breach, the first thing I do is I open up, you know, my stock account and I go and I look and I look up the ticker and say, okay, well, you know, what are they going to do? And I sit there and I watch it over days and weeks. You know, that's a part of my normal work day is for me is tracking, you know, what hit to these companies, if any, is there. And the, uh, you know, the answer is long term, none. I don't even think it's long-term. I think some of the research I've, I've seen is uh, it's something under two years where they, they typically recover to pre-breach levels, which isn't to say there's zero impact, right? I mean, if, if you happen to be at, uh, at, a, at a place in your life where you were looking to, to move your assets into a more fixed income and, and that's the time when, when you know, your portfolio is impacted by it, that's, that's a big deal. Putting, putting off your retirement another two years because some – so some organization uh, uh, may have not done all they could to protect their assets. That's not good. I mean, if you happen to be younger, then sure, you bounce back with those hits. But, but uh, like when I see that research too, I I, I get a little cynical because it's like, yeah, only two years. That's no impact. It bounces back, and I'm like, sure, unless that's the the, the period within which you wanted to exercise those options, and then all of a sudden, it uh, it matters to you. So it matters to the consumer. It matters to the customer. It does not matter. I think in the in the grand scheme of of the corporate cycle, um, and that's that's kind of my point. Um, you know, I just I really just don't think that any of the fines that we that we have seen, I don't think any of the resolutions to breaches that have been published, um, I don't think any of them actually 
do anything. Um, you know, that's again, doom and gloom here, but um, I, I really don't think that anyone has learned a lesson, if anything, actually. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to self plug here because I'm, I'm going to write a, a blog post about it, but um, everybody has a price. And everybody has a price when it comes to their own data and their data privacy. And I've got a really good example um, about uh, mortgage refinance that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna write up and and publish here hopefully in the next week. Um, but uh, you know even as a privacy conscious consumer, you can you can still be bought for for in the right circumstances. Um, and you know. Yeah, I, I don't think that's that's a hot take. I mean, maybe it is for some, but I think every time someone signs up for a bit of social, you know, social media platform, they they're choosing to pay a price, aren't they? I don't think they're actually choosing to pay the price because I, I think there's 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 a general level of uh, naivete. Mm. Um, you know, hopefully I pronounced that right. But um, I do. I, I don't think no one reads the terms and conditions. No one's reading the EULA. You know, I very infrequently do, uh, unless it's uh, you know a new service that I that I haven't evaluated before. Um, but you know, like when I when I sign up for bank accounts, I'm not reading their terms and conditions. I'm like, yep, 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 yep. I just want to put my money places. Thanks. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people do with social media, right? Because it's social media. What's the harm? Um, you know, I, I don't think that there's a, as much awareness as there needs to be. There's more awareness now, thankfully, but. I feel like this has all been just glacially slow uh, over the last, I mean, again, 10 years since I've been doing this. I mean, the first time I had my data breached, what I think was 2000, between 2006 and 2008, um, it was like that really, uh, it was na- it was national news. It was a, a Department of Veterans Affairs laptop that had been left uh, in the person's uh, car uh, on the passenger seat and DC. And of course the window was broken. The laptop was taken right out of there. And I don't know how many millions of social security numbers were, were on there, but that was the first time that my data had been accessed, you know, on, in an unauthorized manner that that was public. So, you know, I think that's the, the first time that that really sort of, you know, chafed me a little bit, um, and sort of brought that to light. And I, again, I think that's really what started my, my crusade, if you will, uh, in this space, but. Yeah, I think everybody has different experiences and it also gives different perceptions of how serious they are about their own privacy or the company or whatever it may be. But I want to go back to what Gabe brought up when it talks, talking about a breach in the cloud it, when when that happens, is this is that more serious? How how much different is that than something a breach on premise? Well, I mean, so we already have breaches in the cloud, you know, right. in, in, in a simple form, right? So we we talked about the S three, but the unsecured S three buckets, right? And and how I mean that is basically a breach in the cloud, right? Exactly. That is a that is a hosted solution in which data has been accessed, you know, by an unauthorized person or persons. You know, uh, and and so th- so that already happens. Um, I think if we're talking about like a large scale breach, um, it would have to be something where it goes beyond just one person's container, right, or a couple containers. Is that what you're thinking, Gabe? In terms of that, would you would you agree with that? That I mean, we'd need to see like a really big, you know, Azure, Google Cloud, you know, where 
X number of companies that have their data hosted there um, have all suffered as a result of the same breach incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm thinking a couple of things. Uh, a, a large part of what I've done for it for almost 20 years is is it's not just security for security sake, but you know, th- threat assessments and uh, and understanding the attack patterns um, and trying to think like an attacker so that I can so I can defend uh, like one. Uh, and I'll tell you the thing that concerns me the most is, you know, unsecured S3 buckets, which happens to be a topic that we're doing a decent number of research on right now. I've got some juicy things to publish on there. Um, but what happens when you've misconfigured not just access to the bucket, but other resources? Because those buckets are being accessed by applications. What happens when I hijack your, your, uh, your applications? in the cloud, because that's a lot easier for me to access also than your traditional on-prem ones. You don't just put it in the DMZ any longer. What happens when that bit of ransomware, uh, you know, grabs a hold of your, your Kubernetes containers and the keys, et cetera. And what I've not just done now is, is ransom your data, but I've ransomed the very machine that you use to generate revenue, get data into your organization, process it, um, put it back out there, et cetera. Um, we are, we we are nearly a, a day away from those types of things being being a painful reality. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, everything in our industry is always just a matter of time. Um, it's not that someone hasn't figured it out yet; it's that we just haven't heard about it yet. Sure, sure. Or haven't discovered it. Yeah, I mean, it it could be happening right now. Just waiting. waiting That's the excitement, it. right? Yes. That's also exciting. It would be super boring if we didn't have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, this is really nice because when I talk about this stuff, you know, with friends and family, um, everyone just sort of walks away from me at that point. Um, and so this is nice that you've you've given me a platform, <laughs> you know, to kind of be crazy with for, for, for an hour. So I do appreciate that. Well, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about your company a little bit, uh, what, what you guys do and, you know, some advice that you might give or recommend people on getting started with a data security program? What does that look like? Oh, geez. Okay. So, uh, well, our company and Act Security, um, we are a basically data security, data privacy and compliance uh, consultancy and MSSP. So, you know, for, you know, uh, data security related platforms and products, um, you know, a lot of the companies that we have worked with over the years, because um, we weren't always in the MSSP space. I mean, just being a consultant, you know, by and large was, you know, I was quite happy to do. But what we kept finding was, is that the more we worked with people, uh, you know, we would complete engagements, we would help them to get where, you know, they stated they wanted to go, we would get them there. Uh, and then we might hear from them months uh, or a year later, and they're like, oh, yeah, we just shelved that whole program because we didn't have anyone to run it, or we lost mm-hmm. steam, there were too many other competing priorities, and this was really low uh, in terms of what we had to do. Not that it's not important, but they, they, they as they prioritized where time was being spent, Data security, by and large, privacy and compliance, by and large, is actually a pretty intensive process, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really matter uh, what vertical that I've worked in, um, and I've worked in all of them, actually, uh, in terms of where our client bases have been. So, you know, higher education, manufacturing, uh, insurance, uh, pharmaceuticals, 
you know, hospitals, medical field, you know, insurers, all those places, finance. Um, the, the, the list is, is veritably endless, but it's very common by the way. And I don't know yeah. how much it's changed or stayed the same, but it's, it's still very common today. Yeah. And it, honestly, it, it hasn't changed um, because we, we still hear those issues. I mean, it is exactly why our clients engage with us to run their programs for them. Right. Right. They want something they, uh, you know, it, it actually, I think is, is more difficult than people realize to attract uh, FTEs or budget for an FTE, you know, a fully encumbered person with salary and benefits. But it seems to be a lot easier for people to get contractors or consultants or, again, third-party MSPs and MSSPs to do the same things. But because the money comes from a different budget, it's much more palatable for them than it is to get headcount <laughs> to dedicate to a specific process. Um, and that's really where we've come in. So uh, people may have a data security program. They, they, don't, they don't even know what data security is, or they, a lot of times they've already had a breach. Um, and they're like, okay, we don't want that to happen again. Where do we start? Um, and it's, 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 it's sort of unpopular. It's a, it's a very unpopular sort of niche space that I think we operate in um, because it's not managed detection and response. It's not, you know, vulnerability management. It's, you know, it's not incident response. It's not running a SOC. It is literally data diving, right? And it's, it's basically, you know, picking apart your organization's processes and going, nope, nope, that's junk. You know, it's like, rip, it's like a cartoon, right? Just ripping wires and pieces out of a car and, you know, just throwing everything away and until you're just left with, you know, what you need. Um, and so like the core components of data security is, is really, it, it's actually very simple, but again, it's intensive. It's, you know, you need to know, well, one, all your assets, right? So like, I mean, these are like basic CIS security controls, which is like, you know, a very well-defined asset inventory because without that well-defined asset inventory, you can't know what data is on all of your assets, um, you know, what it's for, where it goes. And, you know, this isn't just something as simple as desktops and, and, and laptops, you know, and, and mobile devices, you know, or anything in like the IoT space. You know, but I mean, it is our our servers, right? Like, you know, doing data inventory and data mapping, you know, which thanks to GDPR, they made that a thing, right? You have to have a data inventory and a data map. How brilliant is that, that somebody has to maintain, you know, this knowledge that we know what systems contain what and what they talk to and what their purpose in life is and, you know, when they'll be retired. And uh, that very, that ties in so deeply with your hardware life cycle and, you know, your asset inventory. So that's really like the basic place to start, um, yeah. you know, and from there it just sort of builds, right? And you can do things in tandem with each other. You don't have to have one component completely in place before you go to another. You can run the projects in tandem. Um, and that's what most people do because we all want to run before, you know, we can, we can crawl, but, uh, Hopefully that, that answers the question. Yeah, it's needed because for some reason, organizations still struggle to see the necessity and money to put behind a security program. Usually it's thrown with just one person managing everything. And now that one person that's the CISO or whatever else he is also has to manage a data privacy program. And he has no idea or had any kind of experience with that before. Um, I don't know how often you see that, but that's seems pretty common and 
some organizations are getting there, but it's just interesting to see how things are shifting in just the, the couple of years that I've been in this industry. So you've obviously been in this industry for a long time. What, what lessons do you think we can learn around privacy legislation? You know, how much has it changed in the last two years? I mean, uh, you know, with leading up to GDPR, you know, we, we obviously had privacy legislation in place to a degree, right? Or at least we have rules for how certain types of data have to be stored and handled, right? You know, Gabe and I talked about this years ago on uh, a webinar we did about, you know, basically discrete groupings of data versus indiscrete groupings of data. So you have your PCI, your HIPAA, your SOX compliance, right? And all those, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a fairly defined set of rules for, for data, right? And of course we have uh, GLBA, Gramm-Leach-Bliley, um, and all of the states, you know, here in the U.S. have some, you know, some level there, right? Um, California uh, and CCPA, um, you know, kind of took GDPR and ratcheted that up a notch. Um, you know, uh, you know, Washington's working on privacy legislation, Colorado, New York, uh, has NYPA uh, now. Uh, and so I, I think that it's been really, really good um, to, to sort of sum up the rambling is that I'm really happy to see it. I don't think it'll be enough. And I think that we are really, really late to the game with all of this. Um, that's, that's always going to be what I say, right? Like, why weren't we doing this 10 years ago? If I've been doing this um, I mean, really, since before I got into security. So if I was if I was doing this before I actually became a security practitioner, why is it ten years later, um, and now it's it's still like pulling teeth to to really kind of get any movement on this? Like again, the industry, you know, IT um, security, it, its business is is innovative and it's fast paced, but it's slow to make any sort of corrective course changes. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's bad. And that's why it's so important to have a, a strong community that we're in to hopefully get ahead of that anyways. But I know it, Gabe is itching to ask a question. I just want to know, where do you see the, the respect to privacy laws going forward in the U.S.? Was that for me or Gabe? No, oh, that was for you. Sorry. I, I actually wasn't going to ask a question at all. I was... I just oh, you really, out. you actually, you really, you really looked like you were, you were itching to get in here. I was just going to point out that the, you, you've now given us the name of our next, uh, our next um, podcast series, which is going to be called "Sum Up the Rambling." That's that's officially "Sum the Up the Rambling." I love. Welcome it. to "Sum Up the Rambling," where we invite <laughs> a guest to talk about nothing for as long as humanly possible, and then sum it up at the end. Yes, that's, that's, that's the whole that, show. That, that is the too long didn't read. That's the whole show. <laughs> I'm game for it. But yeah, to, to to that point, if if you have any kind of thoughts on where you kind of see it going, or yeah, uh, you know where 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 I don't see it going, I'll start with that. Is yeah. I don't see that we're going to have a federal a federal mandate, right? I don't think we're going to have a federal uh, data security and privacy law that mandates how data is treated. I think states will continue to lead us here. I think individual countries uh, will continue to lead. Um, I think the U.S. Uh, at the federal level will continue to fall behind um, in, in terms of privacy and, and compliance legislation. Um, and you know what? I, I sort of expect that, uh, you know, just, just given, given our history. Uh, I sort of expect that, and I I am always oh you know who I forgot to mention Nevada, Nevada's 
privacy laws. Um, I was uh, the Center for Internet Security just had a webcast not too long ago, um, and one of the state senators from Nevada, and you know, I think basically the, the the person was their CISO and a bunch of other people. It was like a two segment piece, and it was just really really nice to hear you know, about these people that were so passionate about the privacy of their constituents' data that they went and did something about it. And I was yeah, under the impression, was, <laughs> under the impression that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I thought they always had a privacy policy. <laughs> well, instead of, instead of just, you know, basically like the greater, the greater Las Vegas metro area, it's now extended to the entire state of Nevada. Oh, that's so nice. um, I, I really, I was, I was really very pleased um, just to hear some other people that were, that again, were very passionate. You know, they, they knew that it was the right thing to do for their, you know, for their, uh, you know, for the residents. Uh, and I just, I have a lot of respect for that. So I, I do think, I do think that states will continue to do that. Um, as you know, a lot of times New York, and California tend to lead the pack um, in, in different types of legislation. Um, and I, I certainly give them a lot of credit. Um, I think once a couple people do it, right, a couple states do it, it just, it just snowballs, right, for all the other states to do it. Um, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish people didn't have to be like the incubator or, you know, the, you know, the test ground for that kind of thing. But, you know, if it, if it does help, then, then more power to them. Um, But uh, I I do think that we need to start, you know, as a country, you know, our legislative bodies do need to start saying like, okay, enough's enough, right. Where somebody needs to get involved. Um, And it's certainly not going to be me. I am, by far not the person that you want in a room talking about this stuff to anyone of import. Uh, Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> it's kind of his thing, actually. It's it's his brand. <laughs> it is. It is my brand. Self-deprecation. Um, I take it to a new level. I was actually specifically warned um, by, uh, by some of my employees um, to not be self-deprecating on the podcast and look, look, look what I've done now. So um, I'm sure they'll quit and find new jobs by tomorrow. Uh, they're not going anywhere. They they don't say it out loud, but they love you. I'm sure. <laughs> Cam, you, you you caught me on my back foot here. Um, I know you you wanted to offline. I know you wanted to mention something about uh, another practitioner question for. Oh, I know, I know, Michael. What I wanted to ask. Yeah, because again, you know, we we don't have uh, we don't have we haven't had practitioners on in a couple of episodes, and, uh, and we have a lot of practitioners that listen. In the last, I don't know, you pick the time frame six months, eight months, a year, what's, what's one of the more interesting problems uh, someone's come to you with from a security and or privacy perspective? Jeez, I don't know. We might have to pause it here for five minutes while I, while I think this one through or, <laughs> or just fast forward. Um, for you know, I, I can delete. I can edit. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think you're going to be doing a lot of that on this, on this webcast. Oh, you're fine. This, nope. Uh, podcast. I'm leaving this in, by the way. <laughs> this is this is great. You should know, though, that anytime anyone says, oh, I can edit that, you should just assume it. You assume it's going to make it live. <laughs> it's going to make this show, yeah. My right. mother would be so disappointed in me today. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, actually, just, just give me a minute to think about that one. Like an interesting problem. I wish there were interesting problems. Um, well, I guess just something different that, that's not the norm that's come up. That's really the problem is that, you know, yeah. because we because we do specialize in a space, we we really do deal with a lot of the same things, which is, you know, at, on, on the one hand, it can be very infuriating, right, to always run into the same problems in a different organization. You know, it's like, uh, 
you know, the location changed, but it's, you could literally just sort of just overlay them uh, and they would all be exactly the same, just, you know, people's names. I think that uh, answer is, is, is insightful in and of itself, right? Which is, we're still fighting a lot of the same battles. I mean, I think I mentioned this some time ago now, but if you, you rewind the clock two and a half years ago, which at this point seems a century ago, one of the, uh, the, winner of the RSA Innovation Sandbox was an asset inventory product. Like, really? Yeah, that's a problem that not only are we still fighting, but the most innovative product at the show that year was an asset was inventory. Asset inventory. Right. So, I mean, it does certainly suggest that we're still fighting a lot of the same, same uh, issues. Although this last RSA, the, the winner was a privacy organization, um, which is equally telling directionally as to, to kind of, you know, how we ebb and flow in this industry from innovation to still fight the same problem, the innovation to, did I mention we still don't know what assets we have? To innovation to, hey, what, where's our data again? I said, but I thought we, we would solve that problem already. And then, you know, it's just this constant ebb and flow of we, we take two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. I, I just, I, a lot of times I just feel like the industry, um, the focus changes every, every so often where we haven't really solved the original problems, but now we have a new focus, right? We have, we have uh, you know, new buzzwords, the new hotness comes out and we're like, oh, everyone's got to jump on this bus now. And if you're not saying these things, you're, you know, yesterday's news, you, you don't even have a security program. You have a couple rocks that you're banging together, you know, to make sparks to light a fire. Oh, so I should tell you about my new product, privacy on the chain wax. <laughs> That's that's uh, that's my buzzword of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think you need to take a lacuna. All right, <laughs> take five. Nice, nice. Oh, I I you like did. that? Yeah. I saw what you did there. So so for, that's an inside joke for those of you that that don't listen to the show regularly. You you have to go back and listen to last week's episode to catch that one. Gonna leave that one out there for you. <laughs> nice job. So, appreciate it. Um, so Michael M. Mike. What do you, what's your what's your nickname? You got any nicknames? Um, geez, I, I mean, not that they're not that they're bad, but I don't know if they're really <laughs> show appropriate. Oh um, no! So it, it it is weird though because I prefer to go by Mike, but obviously I sign everything Michael. Uh, you know, there's only two people that call me Michael. I think on this earth, um, other than you know, and anyone else that does at this point is simply because they see my email and it says Michael. But but please look at me. I'm, I'm a Mike. I mean, you, you don't <laughs> you don't get a beard like this and and not be a Mike, I guess. No less than one person probably calls you Big Mike too. Oh, like, wow. Actually, there was when I was in college. Um, yeah, classic. Yeah, classic move. Yeah, yeah. I'm I was going to call you Big Mike. <laughs> I was an adult student, by the way. I actually didn't go to college until I was 27. Um, so I think that was adult students. Students, there's really, I mean, we're all students. just a number. Everybody has a different path. But uh, yeah, so there was definitely the big mic. Um, at one of the places I worked, uh, actually, uh, everyone called me four, as in the number, uh, because there were three other mics that worked there before I did, <laughs> and uh, I think Mike was basically like twenty percent of the entire workforce was, was Mike. See, there's so, a little in there where if we knock you over, you got to yell four because you know what? You should edit that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a golf reference. That doesn't staying work. Staying in, staying in. Um, before we actually go into the fun segment, um, just wanted to make sure 
if you had any last questions, if you had any uh, last statements before we move on to the last segment, Mike. No, I don't think so. I think I've done. I think I've done enough damage here. Uh, I really, really hope that this doesn't just end up on the cutting room floor somewhere. <laughs> You're good, man. A lot of value here. Really appreciate it. So let's just go ahead and, and open the floor up here. I, I want to know what's in your fridge right now. Ooh. Um, okay, me or Gabe? Because I don't want to step on toes. Oh, this, this is you, man. No, no, this is all you. Bud. This is all you. <laughs> all right. So yeah, it's it's a little weird. Um, so I, I definitely have some things that should have gone out into the compost bin uh, at oh. least a week ago, if not longer. Um, but because the compost isn't picked up uh, except for every two weeks, things tend to like go to a certain shelf in the fridge or maybe even migrate to the freezer. Um, and then oh. on compost morning, I take everything out and empty it all into the compost bin and then put it out into the curb so I don't have to smell it. Um, there's wow, a couple okay. of those. Did you um, tell us, did you tell us that in confidence or do you know we're going to have some listeners here? <laughs> I, oh, I thought this was the private time. Yeah, no, I nope, was promised. Nope, nope. Nope. That was yeah. promised. <laughs> there is no private time on privacy, please. Exactly. That's Although I point. do now know that I can safely dumpster dive your place and not have to worry about, uh, <laughs> so thank you. for that. So, Oh, where where is one place in the world that you don't mind waiting for? One place in the world that I don't mind waiting for? Like you don't mind waiting in line or waiting no matter how long it takes. You wouldn't mind waiting. Oh, geez. Okay. So I'm a terrible person for that because I'm actually super patient uh, oh. when it comes to lines and stuff because I don't, I don't leave the house much. So if I'm waiting in a line, it just means that I'm, you know, outside somewhere. So it doesn't really bother me. <laughs> Um, I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm terribly patient. A lot of people don't get that about me, um, or would probably vehemently disagree with you if they've only heard me in, in, in a work environment, but, uh, yeah, I actually, I don't mind waiting in line. Um, I think that if you let things like that get to you, uh, you know, it, like everyone else around you is going to feed off that. And you can probably a lot of times already kind of detect the people that are, are you know, impatient, you know, through a sigh, uh, some, some, some other nonverbal cues or something like that, or, or just like mm -hmm. this, this sort of hatred of what's going on just sort of radiates off them in waves. Right um, here. So you, you, you don't have to talk. I'm right here. I'm in the room. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I let people like go in front of me. If people like do the, like, Oh, I don't really know where the line is. Uh, you know, I'm just like, Oh yeah, just go. That's fine. I don't, I don't really have anything going All on. All right. Well, so you're a nice guy. You got, you got patience. That's, that's key. Nothing wrong with that. That's positive. That's, that's a learned skill by the by, um, as I'm sure Gabe can attest to. <laughs> I've known him long enough that I, I know it's the truth. I don't know if your blood pressure's ever, ever, ever been high. I, I certainly question whether or not you were still breathing sometimes like is he still with me because he's he's far too calm right now yeah sounds like a superhero Superpower. yeah hot yeah. take um, by the way hot take impatience is a virtue i i feel that uh sometimes it's uh, we gotta yeah. <laughs> that's my inner new yorker though so don't don't take that we were we were only talking about waiting in line, not if I'm waiting on you to deliver something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a different ball game entirely. Um, that's fair. Yeah, please, please kindly don't hold me up when I'm trying to get something done um, outside of waiting in line. This is a pretty difficult question, but if if you could close, if you had the power to close one fast food restaurant, what would it be? Long John Silver's, without a doubt. Great choice. Quick. Quick. Great choice. Shots yeah. fired. Shots fired. 
some some friends of mine uh, were tra- traveling in a snowstorm over mountain passes to go to Pittsburgh uh, to visit another friend of ours. Uh, and we didn't leave until, oh, geez, it must have been like eight o'clock on a Friday night or some some nonsense like that. Uh, and at uh, like 1130, we rolled into some Long John Silvers uh, on some sort of like truck stop road stretch of highway. Is that like, uh, where and, they, is it one that was uh, connected to a Pizza Hut or whatever, where they split them? Yeah, or, or, like, or, <laughs> or the Long John Silvers A&W, which I've never yeah. eaten at an A&W uh, in my decades of life. I don't even know what that's about. But uh, so, yeah, we went into this Long John Silvers and I ordered chicken strips and hush puppies because I wasn't going to eat fish at a, at a Long John Silvers. That's just insanity. Um, <laughs> and the chicken, which tasted exactly like fish, would you would suspect would taste like, uh, you know, it was just it was just not a very good experience. Um, it wasn't very clean. Uh, and so that has colored all my all my Long John Silver's experiences. And yeah. this is the part of the show where I have to remind everyone that the views of our guests do, do not necessarily reflect those of its host and or its parent organization. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, what would you close down, Mr. Gums? I don't. I really mess with fast food. So. No, I think that was a great choice because I don't I don't think I could ever see myself walking into a Long John Silver's. <laughs> Fabulous. No offense. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, this is a, this is an interesting question. Is there one app that you use but you actually hate it? Yeah, actually, there is. Um, so, pre- to preface this, I want everyone to know, listeners, that I have been actually completely media free uh, for like six weeks. By media free, I'm actually I, I want to qualify that. Like, so no social media apps or anything. Now, I was not a social media guy to begin with. Um, Am I allowed to mention apps by name on here if I use them? So basically, the only thing that I ever did was really browse Reddit um, and read the news. That's really all I do. So when I say social media, it was really Reddit. I got rid of Reddit um, and I stopped my phone giving me news updates and things like that. Um, And it's it's been going on a good seven weeks now. And uh, I definitely feel much better for it. Uh, but there is an app that I use, um, and that's Nextdoor. And I hate it. I hate <laughs> Nextdoor. Tell us about I like Nextdoor because I like to know what's going on in my immediate vicinity, um, especially, you know, with everything that's been going on. We get uh, updates via the app from the state of Washington uh, and things like that. So there are things that I like. But, boy, I, I do not watching. I do not enjoy watching these people fight over stupid stuff on Nextdoor. Is that like a neighbor notification yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, it's like all of like the local neighborhoods are all pseudo networked together and you can make posts about different topics and things like that. Um, I actually really joined it. Um, this is going to sound very sad, um, but um, I actually joined it in the hopes that I would make some friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had this, I had this, cockamamie idea right <laughs> that there would be like the, this other group of people out there that were you know some diy types or some woodworkers yeah. or whatever and they'd be like hey who wants to get together and like help me paint my living room and i'll help you you know <laughs> do something else next week and i'd be like you know what i'd totally be down for that i really enjoy at this stage of my life i am so boring as an individual that i enjoy being a homeowner and I thought maybe I could find Second some that. like-minded people. You see them, right? The, mm-hmm. the guy that's always mowing his lawn, the guy that, that's always got a power tool running in his in his garage, um, you know, people that are always out doing landscaping or something. It's mm-hmm. like it's never the same house from season to season. 
I was like, you know what? It would be really good for me as a growth, you know, sort of thing to, to get in with some people like that, right. To, to, yeah. to learn some things and maybe share a couple of things that I've picked up over the years. Um, you know, because doing projects by yourself can, can be really difficult and not just from like, you know, I'm not talking about like the number of arms that you need to hold up a piece of sheetrock, but you know, like the motivation to do it, or it could just be very lonely. And I'm an introvert by nature. And even I'm like, boy, it sure would be nice if someone would come in here and like, you know, someone I could talk to while I'm, you know, doing like drywall taping or something <laughs> in my garage, like just to have someone to talk to. So that's why I joined Nextdoor. Um, okay. And it's really, it's really not like that at all. It's actually kind of depressing. Um, I just, you know. I just want to say that uh, happy cow gifs is the only subreddit you will ever need. And you, you can block all of the others and go just to that one and you will be. It's the my fact that you called it a GIF means that yeah. I'm going to terminate this uh, podcast early. <laughs> whatever, whatever. That's the, the, the founder. Yeah, we got to wrap it up, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're on time here. <laughs> Eve Widow says it's a GIF. <laughs> Mike, seriously, really appreciate you coming on and and just talking with us. You know, Gabe and I really enjoy <clears throat> having our guest on, and and obviously having a pass with you and you know, getting to build a relationship with you myself now, really appreciate you and what you do. Just keep doing it. And hopefully we'll have you back on. If you get that mystery new problem that comes up one day. Love to talk. Yeah. About I'll, I'll certainly, I'll certainly text you, you know, from my deathbed, if, if something comes up, <laughs> you know, by that time, but uh, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's nice to have consistency, I guess. <laughs> it's like always doing the same problem, standing out. But I do want to thank you both very much for your time. Um, this has this has been the highlight of my week. I know it's only Thursday, but I'm pretty sure Friday is not going to get much better. Probably. And, uh, Friday is Friday. So yeah. hey, before we let you go, though, look, hey, it's always a pleasure to see you. I haven't seen you face to face in a while. Look, absolutely loved having you on the show. But for our audience, anywhere in particular they might find you other than the Nextdoor app, uh, maybe LinkedIn, Twitter, where can they find you and uh, the fine folks in the NAC security? Uh, well, we are on uh, we are on LinkedIn, and uh, you can also find us at www.enactsecurity.com. Excellent. We'll make sure to post that in the uh, in the show notes, and uh, we'll let them know to not look for you on Nextdoor. Yeah, please don't move here. Um, don't don't become one of my neighbors. Don't no more posts, please. No more missing animals. That's the depressing part that I didn't get to earlier. If one more person loses a cat or dog, I am going to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, well, the looks on your faces is just great. Like we've really turned this around from earlier. I am I am loving this segment. Yeah, uh, please be new year animals. Bob Barker, out, and we're out. Thanks again for tuning in to Privacy Please. This podcast is brought to you by Spirion, protecting what matters most. Join us next week and every week as we delve into the intriguing world of security and privacy. You can email us at privacyplease at spirion.com and hit us up on our Twitter at privacyplspod. If you want to read more into these topics, check out our blogs on spirion.com. Again, I'm Cameron Ivey an all-around decent guy. Until next time.